Gentlemen, James Marshall here. Now, recently I was sitting and pondering, as I am often wont to do, and I was thinking about what are the long-term strategies, mindsets and behaviours that really make the difference with success with women and lifestyle. Now, I've been teaching seduction, dating in a game for nearly 10 years now, and I spent many more years than that working on it myself. And so I was thinking back over those years and going, all right, what are the things that men do very commonly, and this is guys that practice seduction formally and just guys in the normal world, that do not work, right? So they simply, these are strategies that guys will apply sometimes for a lifetime in the hope that they're gonna get them girls or get them sex uh, or get them relationships or get them cool social circles. And these things do not yield results at all or if, even if they occasionally yield results, they're inconsistent. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. So let me precurse everything I'm about to say by saying this. When I say these things don't work, it doesn't mean that they have never worked in the history of mankind. Men and women want to fuck each other. They want to get together, and so they will often put up with all sorts of bad game in order to hook up. I want to tell you one little story which I think is truly amazing uh, and also not a good example of what to do. I was dating this Russian girl once and one of her best friends met a guy like this. So she's telling the, you know, the story of her best friend who was walking down the streets of St. Petersburg dressed to kill, no doubt, in high heels and a tight leopard print skirt and panda fur. I don't know if she was wearing that. That's just how I imagine all Russian women walking all the time. But she was walking down the street and a car drove slowly past her. A guy leaned out of the window and smacked her on the butt and then kept driving. So she gets smacked on the butt, she sees the car, she takes off her high heel and throws it at the back of the dude's car, smashes his back window, screeches to a halt, the guy gets out and is like, what the fuck? And she's like, how dare you slap me on the ass? And he's like, well, why don't we go and get a coffee? And she's like, okay and they got married, right? So this, uh, I believe this to be a true story. I don't see why, I didn't make it up. I don't see why she would make it up. And even if it's allegorical, the point is that that worked, but I definitely don't recommend you do that. Please don't do that. Please don't walk, please don't drive down the street and slap girls on the ass. It's not gonna work. If 100 guys do that, 99 of them or 100 of them are gonna get really bad responses. So the point I'm making here is that, sure, there's all sorts of things that could occasionally work, but what I'm interested in, my entire career has been built around teaching men things that consistently work. And in this video, uh, I'm gonna be talking about things that consistently do not work, and please don't do them because you can literally waste years of your life doing the wrong strategies. You've probably all heard the phrase, practice makes perfect. Nah, nah mate, perfect practice makes perfect. If I practice the wrong thing, I can get perfectly good at practicing the wrong thing. That's about it, right? So it is vitally important that you do things that are effective. Uh, and that's why people come to me as a coach. That's why people do courses like the five principles to save themselves the years of trial and error. So without further ado, let's look at a whole bunch of things that don't work in seduction. Number one is waiting and hoping. This is what uh, the vast majority of men on the planet do in regards to how they choose their partners. They don't choose them. They wait around and hope that a girl is going to turn up in their social circle, in their classroom, that they're going to bump into each other serendipitously like in a Hugh Grant movie where someone spills the flowers and the guy picks it up and they look in each other's eyes and get, oh, madam, and then they fall in love or there's fate somehow directs people. That's the general idea. And we are sold this message through Hollywood movies, both men and women, that there is someone out there who is is meant 
to be there for you. She's the one. She's and that if you simply wait around, that person is going to turn up in your life by some other thing other than you taking action. Right. So this is the first and most important one that I need to point out is that if you are doing that, if you're watching these videos and not taking action, then you're not going to get any results. Right. And again, will you eventually bump into somebody and have sex? Probably. Yeah. Eventually you will. Something, some serendipitous thing may happen, or you'll sit next to somebody. Like those things can happen for sure. But instead, you can just do that, wave at someone and say hello and go and start something, right? So number one, waiting and hoping doesn't work. You can literally wait for an entire lifetime. Uh, and even if someone does turn up, they're not going to be the right person for you. Stop it. Number two is perfectionism. And as a subheading under that, negative self-criticism. I have certainly been guilty of this in my life of not wanting to go and do something until I know how to do it perfectly, right? So I, I used to do that with music. I would work on a song for sometimes many, many months before I was willing to perform it live. I wanted it to be absolutely perfect. And after watching other musicians who just came up with basic ideas for a song, got up on stage, riffed it, jammed it, it did work, it didn't work, and then gradually developed it, I saw that those guys develop much faster. In seduction, being a perfectionist is one of the worst things you can do. These are the guys that download all the material, study this stuff for years, do all sorts of NLP and hypnosis on themselves, but don't go out and try it with real girls because they don't want to be humiliated. They don't want to get embarrassed by not doing it correctly. That can hold you back for years. You get good at seduction by going out and making mistakes. So don't be a perfectionist. And under this, the way that you motivate yourself internally, the self-talk that you have is vitally important. If you are operating from a position of constantly beating yourself up, thinking to yourself, ah, oh, I'm so shit, oh, that approach was awful, I'm never gonna get good at this, come on, you pussy, let's do this. Those kinds of motivational strategies are very limiting. Occasionally, people will get a kick in the ass, like will get kind of moving by that. If you're at rock bottom and you're like, all right, motherfucker, this is it, I've had enough of this shit, I have to go out there and do this, you're a loser. Okay, that might sort of give you some propulsion to get started, but that is not a good way to maintain momentum in your growth, that every time you make a mistake, you're really heavily down on yourself. This is the equivalent of hiring a life coach and then implanting it in your brain who just says you're a loser all the time. I wouldn't hire that life coach. That life coach, that's not the way that I coach. I don't tell people that they're awful every time they make a mistake. I assist them to see what the mistake was, try to positively reframe it, and then go out there and, uh, and do it again. So very important, you can't get good at this by being perfect before you've gone out there and been imperfect in many, many ways. And motivating yourself with negative self-talk is not a long-term effective strategy. Number three, going out with a bunch of guys, drinking with the lads, packs of men, going out to get laid. I don't think there's ever been a time in the history of mankind, could be wrong, where five to nine men have all gone out and that's been an effective way for all five to nine of them to find five to nine lovely women to have sex with them, unless you're paying the girls. So this is another thing that is incredibly common. I certainly did it a lot in my teenage years and in, before I got into seduction properly, was going out with a bunch of your friends to party and drink and hope to get laid. It just simply doesn't work, right? A bunch of lads is not an attractive prospect. It's, a, it's actually an intimidating, dangerous, and stupid thing. When you see more than, I don't know, four guys together just like marauding through the streets, like who thinks 
that's an attractive prospect. Now, if you happen to have maybe three good wingmen, like, okay, I'm, I have gone out with Tony and Liam and Travel Bum, that's four, and Keegan sometimes, but we don't, we certainly don't maraud as a pack. We may go out to have dinner together or go to a bar or go to an event or something, and then people just start splitting off and approaching. And then we all know exactly how to wing each other if that's necessary or how to leave each other alone if that's necessary. Typically, groups of men in the real world don't know how to support each other when they're picking up. So if six guys go out, and one guy happens to strike up a conversation with a girl, very likely his friends are gonna fuck it up for him. They're gonna come in there and go, hey, there you go, or you guys get a room. Um, this is Australian men, or they could do it in any other accent as well. The Russians uh, could do it just as well or just as badly. But in general, going out with your buddies is going to be very detrimental to your chance of getting laid. Two guys together can work very, very effectively. Three guys, if they know how to work, things can also work effectively. But the other thing to keep in mind is that if three guys meet three girls, what are the chances that all three are gonna be attracted to each person that they're supposed to be attracted to? It's very, very unlikely, right? It's just that people aren't easily attracted to each other in these uh, precise increments. If you've got two dudes working, going out, and they go and approach two girls, you can do two sets all night. Yeah, it's quite common that the two girls will go, all right, cool, these guys are cool, so we'll both fuck each of them. Uh, or at least the wingman can take care of the one that isn't gonna have sex with him, but he's just taking one for the team on that given night. But going out with a bunch of your bros, bunch of your lads, bunch of your mates to get laid does not work. So only do that if you wanna go out and watch the football or get in fights or shout and pour beer over each other's head, which is something I am absolutely not interested in. I can't see why anyone's interested in that. But you know, if that's what you like doing, do that. But understand there will be no sex at the end of it, except possibly at the brothel. Number four is being a good friend. Very, very common strategy. Become friends with a girl, spend a long time trying to be really nice to her and accommodating and help her and do some of her homework and listen to her whinge about the bad boys and so on and so on in the hope that at some point she is going to recognize that you are actually a wonderful human being and also a very sexy man and she was a fool to have not seen what was in front of her the entire time and she's gonna fuck you. And, and there's so many movies, romantic comedies where that is the this plot where the girl is after some other guy and she has a male friend and then at the end she realizes all along that it was actually Simon who was her perfect match. Another one of those lies that we're sold. The fact is that women are attracted to a man very fast or usually not at all, right? So if you come, and she categorizes men very quickly as either sexual prospect, friend, or irrelevant, creepy, sleazy male she doesn't want to have in her life. So if a woman categorizes you as a friend, it means that she doesn't see you uh, in a sexual way. She's not intimidated but in a positive way. She doesn't feel sexual tension. She feels really, really safe and comfortable around you in a way that she would with a, a gay friend or a female friend. And this means that it's very unlikely that any kind of sexual attraction is gonna start boiling over time. Yeah, of course it, it can occasionally happen, but remember, we're not looking at what can work sometimes, we are looking at what consistently works. And this one is particularly important to take notice of because if you don't, it means you will waste many weeks, months, possibly years, holding on to hope that you're gonna get a specific girl when she decided within the first five minutes or the first day that she met you that that's never ever gonna fucking happen, right? So if you've been friend zoned or you friend zoned yourself actually because you operated like a friend, you, you gave her the impression that you were interested in her solely as a friend, then you can't be angry at her or resentful when 
two years later you tell her you love her and she's like, uh, yeah, that's not gonna happen, right? So <laughs> any women that you have in your life right now that are your friends and you have, you're holding out hope that it's gonna work, crush all hope, dispel it all, it's never gonna fucking happen and save yourself years and months of wasted effort and the awkwardness of trying to tell her some time down the track that you like her and put her in that position where she's like, oh dude, please don't do this. Why have you done this? Like, it's actually really rude and disrespectful and not honest to do this. This is why I, I have said, and I will say again, that nice guys are liars and assholes. Because what they're doing is they're not actually telling the truth. They are going into a situation pretending that all they want is friendship when really they want sex and they're hoping that over time they're gonna build up enough credits, best friend credits, that are gonna somehow turn into sex, right? So this is a gross misunderstanding of one of the pr principles from the five principles, which is understanding that sexual pressure is the engine of seduction. If I release all the pressure from a girl by showing her that I'm nice, accommodating, friendly, not a sexual prospect, not sexually forward, all of these things, it doesn't allow sexual tension to build. It doesn't allow that delicious pressure of the polarity between man and woman to actually exist. And so therefore the woman's not attracted. So save yourself a whole lot of heartache. If she's your friend, keep her as your friend or get rid of her if you're lying to her and yourself that you don't actually like her as a friend, you've just been waiting around to get laid. It's not gonna happen. Number five, is the opposite of the super nice guy trying to friend your way into bed, and that is the blunt sexual verbal intent. I remember there was a time when Liam tried this once where he texted 40 chicks that he'd got numbers of on one night saying, hey, wanna come over for sex? Guess how many came over? None zero is how many. Liam made, a, made his early career based on the concepts of rapid escalation, which was being quite blunt and direct verbally, but he certainly discovered that there is, there's limits to this. If you verbally state, I wanna have sex with you in some manner or other, it's very, very, very rare that a girl is gonna do that unless possibly she's really drunk or maybe if she perceives you to be way higher value or way out of her league. The reason why this doesn't work is that even if the girl wants to have sex with a guy straight away, which many women walk around going, I would fuck that guy given half a chance. Even, but if that guy comes up and says, do you want to fuck me? She'll probably say no. Because women have to deal with the slut shaming, right? That a woman's sexuality is judged how quickly and under what circumstances she decides to have sex with a guy. And more importantly, is that the moment I state it, it loses sexual tension. It's the same reason why I would say never ask a girl if you can kiss her, just lean in and try to kiss her. Because when I say, hey, I'm gonna kiss you, the tension, the delicious tension that's been, been built up, the pressure, positive pressure that's been built up is dissipated before the kiss. So in the same way that if I say to the girl, let's go home, let's go to the bed, let's go and fuck in the bedroom, uh, let's have sex in some way or another, it takes all the nice pressure and magic out of it. And this often happens to guys. Guys often do this when they get really frustrated and resentful because they've done the opposite, right? So they've been super friendly, super nice. They've been at the bar all night, just sort of doing friendly chit chat and like asking a girl how a night is. And then suddenly they just fucking can't handle it anymore. And they're just like, do you wanna just go and fuck or what? It's a reactive behavior to uh, not stating your intent in the correct way. So yes, of course, you need to project your sexual intent, but just bluntly saying it, not gonna work. Number six, hanging out with guys or girls who have negative mindsets, ineffective beliefs. It's been said that you tend to resonate at the same level as, tend to think similarly to the five people that you spend most of your time around. And I know that's certainly true for myself, the five people that I spend most of my time around, my girlfriend, Liam, Tony, Travel Bum, and Shay. And as a result, I have a support network of people who have excellent mindsets, who are very progressive thinkers, and are always supportive and helping me grow in the same way that I help them grow. If your primary friendship group 
is made up of people who are either really negative about themselves. So, and that's, that's a common thing for guys that are kind of dorky or nerdy to make fun of themselves and each other constantly all the time, or in more kind of jock alpha circles to do that sort of stuff where they're ribbing each other and teasing each other consistently, knocking each other down. It's a very common thing in British culture, Australian culture to constantly knock each other down under the guise of making jokes. It's, it's really not effective because it's subtly telling each person in the group that you cannot step above the level that you are currently at. So that's like when someone gets a new haircut, buys a new set of clothes because they want to look different, goes and tries a dance class, or heaven forbid, goes and approaches a girl in the street and all of his friends tease him about it. This is not assisting him in his growth, right? So this goes for also having very negative uh, resentful views around women, which is why the men's rights activists, red pill kind of stuff, even if there's interesting ideas to look at in terms of understanding female psychology or evolutionary um, factors in terms of mating. If you're hanging around people who perceive that women are your adversary, that they are out to get you and that we need to be uh, on guard against them, then you're going to start to be paranoid about women. You're going to see them as your enemy and therefore it's really hard to connect to them. So if you're hanging around lots of those kind of guys, even if what they say is kind of intellectually interesting, it's not assisting you to get laid. So it's vitally important that you, if you're your main social circles that you hang around with are negative or super way too sentimentally romantic, you know, who think that the opposite, which is that women are all snowflakes and princesses and that we need to uh, write them sonnets and, and try and gently friend our way into bed, that's just as useless as the guys who think that all women are gold digging whores and you got to watch out for them, right? So I'm not saying that you should not have friends who have differing viewpoints or that have a, a wide variety of life experiences. And I'm also not saying that everyone that you surround yourself with needs to be rah-rah, like delusionally positive about everything all the time. I'm certainly not. I get down about stuff and I look at the darker sides of life. But the people that I spend most of my time navigating the world with as my friends, as my wingmen, as my lovers, are people that are going to assist me in my growth. The friendship circle that you're in, if it's negative, is gonna hold you back. Number seven, mass approaching. This, by this I mean going out and approaching 10, 20, 30 girls in a day or a night without critically analyzing what you're doing. And there are companies such as RSD and other companies out there who suggest that you should just go out and smash through dozens of approaches. Uh, this is bad for a number of reasons. Firstly, it's bad because we're burning the cities out, guys, seriously. I've been teaching seduction now for eight, eight, 10 years in lots of cities around the world. And there are some places where it's been ruined because everyone's running up and down the streets doing dozens of approaches, shitty, repetitive approaches all day. And the girls are going, what the fuck is this? And now everyone who approaches girls, girls are putting up more resistance. So you're fucking it up for everybody. So stop mass approaching badly. That's number one reason. That's my selfish reason. Can you stop ruining the world for me and my, and my clients? <laughs> Secondly, is that if you just approach and approach and approach in a way that if you've got the mindset that I'm doing dozens of approaches today, it means that you don't commit to any of the approaches. It means that your goal is to do 20 approaches. Then I go and do my approach and all I'm thinking about is, okay, here I am doing that thing and the moment she gives me any resistance or the moment something doesn't go well, I, go, I eject and then I move on to the next and the next. My first principle in my teaching and in the five principles course is awareness. It's the foundation of everything in terms of success with women. I need to be consciously aware of my body, my breathing, my uh, movements, what I'm saying, and very importantly, I need to be aware of how the girl is responding to me in real time in order for me to be able to be there with her present in the moment and in order for me to be able to make corrections in real time. If I'm just going, all right, I'm doing dozens of approaches today, 
I'm not going to be present in the moment with the girl. She's not going to. She's going to therefore feel like I, I don't really give a shit. I'm not really listening to her. I'm just trying to get through this thing that I'm doing to try and get in her pants or get her number, and therefore she doesn't feel a connection. She doesn't want to see me again. So it's it's, it's a very ineffective strategy for getting what you want. And thirdly, yes, like it's of course you have to do approaches, and you should you need to do many. You don't necessarily need to do many thousands to get good at this. I got good very fast early on by going out every day and meeting girls, sometimes one, sometimes five, depended on what happened or what my mood was like or how, how well I was going on any given day. I did lots, but I wasn't doing dozens and dozens a day. I've never done that and I've never suggested to anyone they do that. Even when guys come on our workshop, we do a lot of approaches in a day, but maybe they'll meet 10, 20 girls over an eight hour period, but we make sure that every single approach counts and, and every approach you learn something from. Right, so if I just go in and do the same thing over and over again, more or less, say the same lines, go through the same process, whether that's natural script or indirect script or hypnotic script or whatever school I follow, if I just go and repeat that over and over again, the only time I'm going to get results is just simply based on statistics. So occasionally I might get laid from that because the girl is looking for a guy, I come up, she's like, yeah, he'll do, and she has sex with me. Not because of what I did specifically, just because I took action, okay, it's better than nothing. But if I want to learn to make change and growth every time I go and speak to a girl, I need to critically analyze each of my approaches. That can be quite hard when you don't know what you're looking for, which again is why guys come and do training with people like me, which is why doing an online course like the five principles will help you to save years of trial and error. But you need to be able to go into an interaction, be very present and aware with the girl, then step out of it, not beat yourself up, but go, all right, what was it that worked here? What, how did she respond when I said this? Why was it that she suddenly shut down halfway through the interaction? Start to figure that out either by yourself, hard, with a wing, easier, or with me, awesome. And then each approach will incrementally increase your results rather than just frustrating you. The fourth problem with mass approaching is that it very quickly leads people to burnout. Because if you're doing dozens of approaches in a day or in a night and getting more or less the same result, which is that you're not committing to it, the girl can feel that this is a chore, you're basically doing the same thing over and over again, so most of the time you're getting rejected, you start to, or your subconscious starts to equate approaching with pain, approaching with rejection. And so what do you do if you've done something dozens or hundreds of times and it didn't work? You give up, right? So in that, that's why it is far more effective to pick your shots, you have to do it regularly, you have to do it daily, uh, but if I'm doing it way too many times in a day, I'm burning the streets out, I'm not learning any lessons from it, and very soon I'm gonna give up. Number eight is having a rigid worldview, having a very rigid set of beliefs that you operate by and think by throughout your life. And this is in some ways the most insidious and difficult one to deal with. Because in truth, all of us have rigid worldviews. Over time, we've been conditioned to believe certain things through our society, our parents. So we consider ourselves to be a libertarian or a anarchist or someone who believes in this set of doctrine or other. And it's very, very important that if you want to become excellent with women, you want to become an amazing seducer, that you have an open mind, you have a flexible mind. And being open-minded isn't just like listening to other viewpoints. It's trying them on and living through them. And that's something that a lot of people find very frightening and difficult to do because if they have to question their own belief structures and then actually try on ones that may be in opposition to that, then they have to, and those new ones work better, then they have to re recognize that the ones that they live by were possibly lies or ineffective. And there are all sorts of rigid beliefs that men hold on to about women, about dating, about sex, that do not assist them. I know in my time, from when I first started going out and calling, 
cold approaching many, many years ago, I had very strong beliefs about women. I believed that women only had sex with men in order to get them into some kind of emotional relationship, or if they did it for other reasons, it was because they were damaged and that they were, you know, that they were basically essentially being taken advantage of and abused by, by men. So with that belief in mind that women are only going to have sex with a man if, if they love him or if you trick them into bed, how does that leave any room in my mind for a woman to have sex for another reason? Once I started loosening up and, and trying on some other beliefs, such as maybe women just have sex because they want to, or maybe they do it because they get physical pleasure out of it, or maybe they can do it with a degree of emotional connection but they don't need to have commitment, all these other possibilities. Then suddenly I started meeting women who were willing and happy to do that because I, they obviously they were screening for guys that were open-minded enough to have alternative types of relationships. So it's really important that you start to assess what are your rigid beliefs about women? Do you believe that uh, women are only interested in, in shoes and cocaine and cool parties? Well, in that case, you're gonna be at odds with them and you're gonna think if I don't have heaps of money and cool parties to take them to, then I can't get really beautiful women, right? So you need to look in what are the rigid beliefs that you have and in my opinion, discard them all and try on a whole bunch of other ones. The degree to which you are actually open-minded in the sense that you're willing to try on beliefs and behaviors that are not the ones that you're brought up with will determine how flexible you are and therefore how able you are to navigate through all sorts of social situations, date and seduce all types of women that you otherwise would not be able to do. Number nine, number nine, number nine. No one gets that reference, do they? It's from a really obscure old Beatles song. Well, anyway, number nine is settling. Settling for shitty relationships with chicks that you're not particularly attracted to and staying there for a long period of time. Again, this is one of the things that many men will do in their lives is they hook up with a girl through their social circle because they didn't approach, because they don't understand seduction. So they have a choice of one to five girls, maybe if they're in an average social circle. And for whatever reason, the chick likes him. So they get in a relationship and they stay there out of scarcity, simply out of the understanding, the true understanding that they don't really have any choice. They, don't, they probably couldn't get any better because they don't know how to go out and meet somebody and get something started. So this is a, I mean, it's, it's a, an effective strategy in the sense that, yeah, you can get a relationship, you can get laid and you can create children out of it. And, and I, unfortunately, that's how many of us were created <laughs> was because our parents settled for each other, ended up in relationships that they shouldn't have been in. But the results of this long term are awful, right? If you get into a relationship with a girl who doesn't respect you, who doesn't give you good sex, to whom you do not bring out the best in each other, this will grind you down into the earth. It means that over months and years, your personality starts to fracture. You lose your self-confidence. You perceive that that is all, all you can get and all you deserve. And in, and in a sense, it's true because you haven't gone out to improve yourself and to get more of what you deserve by taking action. So settling for, it's, it's like, it is far better to be alone and lonely for a lengthy period of time whilst you work on your abilities to approach, seduce, start relationships than it is to settle for a girl that you don't find attractive or that is not good for you and stay with her for many years. Because you can only do that how many times in your life before you're too old to do anything else, right? And people do that. They'll settle for a girl, they'll stay in the relationship for three, four years in their early 20s, and then it falls apart eventually, and then they do that again, and they do that again, and then you're 35, and you do that a couple more times, and it's too late, right? So if you settle for five girlfriends in a row, that's your, that's your single dating life, part of your life done. 
So yeah, okay, you may do that the first time. I've, I did that way back in the day. I ended up with a chick where I'm like, yeah, okay, well, not that hot or anything, but uh, she's, she's willing to have sex with me, so I guess I better just take what I can get. No, go and get what you can actually get by learning, growing, evolving, and practicing. And finally, number 10 in my amazing list of totally awful things you absolutely should never do if you want to try and get laid with girls, but most guys seem to do them for their entire life and get really bad results, is learning techniques as opposed to understanding principles. Right, so back, way back in the early 2000s when the first methods of seduction came out, these were all technique-based systems. The Mystery Method and Ross Jeffries stuff, all that early stuff was learning Memorizing certain opening lines, memorizing ways to cold read a girl, right? So taking her through this scripted thing, which is gonna over time draw out some of her values and make her feel like you know her or, or whatever else. There was all these special lines and techniques that guys would stack one after the other, like Lego blocks that it would hopefully in the end lead to sex. Now I'm not saying that there are no cool lines. And I'm also not saying that I've never said something once and then said it again. Sure, if I've said something off the top of my head to a girl and then I'm like, wow, that was actually a, a witty or a funny or a cool thing to say. Yeah, I'll keep that in my head and I might say it again. I'm not saying that having a, any kind of routines is, is a terrible thing. I can plug in a line or I can plug in a little thing that I learned from somebody into my overall seduction kind of matrix because I understand what are the underlying principles that are driving the whole thing. For the guy that's looking around on the internet and he's going, oh, okay, so there's this, this text game thing. So I just need to write this text and then write this text and then I'll get laid or he's looking over here and going, okay, there's, there's all these different ways, indirect, direct, all these different ways to open. So I'll memorize these lines and I'll follow them. Guys who are hunting around constantly for the next technique, the next thing that is going to somehow be the, this magical thing that's gonna unlock the secrets of seduction universe to them, are going to be looking in vain forever. These are the guys that keep going from school to school, from product to product, from book to book, and just collect more and more stuff that totally confuses the fuck out of them in the end because they've got all these contradictory ideas buzzing around in their head and they don't know which one's right or which one works or why something works. However, on the other side of things, if you understand the underlying principles that drive seduction, that's where you will see massive propulsion in results. This is also how you will learn to integrate seductive philosophy into your own personality and express it in your own unique way. Because if I'm saying a bunch of lines that might work for a 22 year old jock guy in bars in America, and I'm a 45 year old introverted engineer in Germany, those things are not gonna work. Even if it worked for that guy in the bar, it's not gonna work for the other guy in the cocktail lounge in Salzburg because there's different cultures at play, because the, there's different personalities at play, because of all sorts of multiple reasons, right? There is no one size fits all. There is no series of techniques that is the best series of techniques. Understanding the underlying principles, which I have personally broken down into five principles, which is awareness at the base, being consciously present in the moment. Principle two, intent, being able to project your intention and your message with clarity. Principle three, emotional impact, being able to understand the emotional processes that a woman is going through whilst being with you. Number four, pressure and release, understanding how to apply positive sexual tension into a situation and then release it at the right time. And Principle five, decisiveness of pulling the trigger, being able to recognize when is the right time and how to escalate things. If you understand those five principles, then you can express them in all sorts of different ways depending on your own personality. So gentlemen, I hope this was very useful for you. These 10 things are things that I've watched very clearly in my clients, in my friends, and in myself over the years. And I've seen operating and doing these 10 things will fuck up your dating life, fuck up your love life for life, right? And you don't want that. The first thing that I do when I'm teaching guys 
guys in seduction is I work out what are the things that they're doing incorrectly and we remove those. Just doing that is gonna make your life better. Of course, we need to replace that with much more positive things, but for now, I want you to have a think about all of these 10 and be really honest with yourself. Which ones are you doing? Which of these habits and behaviors have you been uh, living through? And think honestly, what has been the results? Has it worked for you? If the answer is no, then stop bloody doing them and do the 10 things that I'll release in the next video that are gonna be fucking great. All right, that's it, James Marshall, see you later. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.